0: G'day and welcome to Partake. We're going to continue on in our series, The Church Begins. Today we're going to look at persecution. The world was changing. It had been turned upside down, particularly for the Jewish people. They were still under the rule of the odious Romans in the land that God had given them. For centuries they had been expectant of a Messiah, a King, a Christ to rise up and rid them of their oppressors. And when the Messiah, Jesus Christ, did come, they missed him. They had misunderstood what the Messiah was to do. The Messiah was not to lead a political revolution, as they thought, but rather to lead a spiritual revolution, bringing people back into relationship with God. The worldview of the Jewish people needed to be changed and when worldviews need wholesale change or focus, problems arise. The embryonic church, the new church, followers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was soon to feel pressure to revert back to old ways of thinking and doing. And it isn't long into the book of Acts and therefore the history of the church, that persecution arises. And we see the first stages of this persecution in Acts chapter 4. As they spoke to the people, that's the Christians, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came to them, being upset because they taught the people and proclaimed in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was now evening. However, somewhat surprisingly, we then read, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about five thousand. And then later on in chapter five, we read, but the high priest rose up and all those who were with him which is the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with jealousy and laid hands on the apostles and put them in public custody. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they were afraid that the people might stone them. And a bit further on, when they had bought them, they set them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, Didn't we strictly command you not to teach in this name? Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you killed, hanging him on a tree. God exalted him with his right hand to be a prince and a saviour, to give repentance to Israel and remission of sins. We are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. But they, when they heard this, were cut to the heart and determined to kill them. Even further on in that chapter, we read, They agreed with him, summoning the apostles. They beat them and commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. They therefore departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for Jesus' name. Every day in the temple and at home, they never stopped teaching and preaching Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And then at the beginning of chapter 6, we read about the first Christian martyr, Stephen. Stephen we read in Acts chapter 6 verse 8, was full of faith and power and performed great wonders and signs among the people. But some of those who were of the synagogue called the Libertines and of the Cyrenians, of the Alexandrians and those of Cilicia and Asia arose, disputing with Stephen. They weren't able to withstand the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and came against him and seized him and brought him into the council and set up false witnesses who said, This man never stopped speaking blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs which Moses delivered to us. All who sat in the council Fastening their eyes on Stephen Saw that his face Saw that his face Was that Like the face of an angel Then after reminding them Of some of what the Old Testament says Giving some of the Jewish history Stephen concludes You stiff-necked And uncircumcised In heart and ears You always resist the Holy Spirit As your fathers did So you do. Which of the prophets didn't your fathers persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. You received the law as it were ordained by angels, and didn't keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him with one accord. They threw him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he called out, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So there was Stephen. Filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit with an angelic look on his face and we see his love and faith put into practice when he exclaimed don't hold this sin against them. Stephen had reminded the the Jewish leaders that God did not dwell in buildings made from stone as in the temple for had not God also been with his servants in various places such as Mesopotamia, Palestine and Egypt. He reminded them also how the Jews had always rejected God's messengers, and now finally they themselves had killed God's Son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He also reminded them that what made somebody a person after God's own heart was not the physical circumcision, but a circumcision of the heart, the ears, the soul. It was a spiritual revolution that occurred when people were in relationship with the living God, not just an outward appearance. And we see, in Stephen's final words, the reaction of a man, a person full of faith and filled with the Spirit, undergoing pressure. Stoning is an awful and excruciating way to die. And while Jesus had prayed to the Father in his dying moments, Stephen prayed also, but not to the Father. He prayed to Jesus. And it wasn't so long ago that Jesus was working the earth, walking the earth, indeed, perhaps on these very stones. And yet we already find prayers being made to him. Stephen sees Jesus in all his magnificent, glorious, and heavenly majesty, and he can only cry out to him in such a way. Then finally he asks Jesus, to forgive those who have killed him. Amazing, isn't it? I wonder how you and I would act under the same circumstances, the same conditions. Would we ask why and whinge and grumble and complain? Christians enduring persecution will one day be able to say with the likes of Stephen that it was all worth it. The sufferings I endured and overcame for the sake of Jesus was all worth it so as to be here and living with him as my king forever. Persecution of Christians is only going to get stronger in the West. We can see the signs. We're going to get shouted down for saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And yet, like the apostles, we must also persist. And finally, I wonder if you notice one other name in that Bible passage. That name being Saul he led systematic persecution of these Christians. And yet, as we shall soon find out, he will play a major role in the development of the church and of Christian thinking. For as the church father Augustine comments, if Stephen had not prayed, the church would not have had Paul. And despite all this persecution, the church continued to grow. And whenever and wherever the church has endured persecution Down through the ages And including our modern times For their belief in Jesus Christ Growth has always occurred There are places in this world now Where it is illegal to be a Christian Let us pray for our brothers and sisters That they have to endure all kinds of hardships For the sake of Jesus Christ And yet amazingly These churches are growing numerically, exponentially Just as we have seen occur in the New Testament If the New Testament church Had known that Jesus did not rise from the dead physically Would the church have grown like it has over 2,000 years? Would people like Stephen Knowingly die Or undergone systematic persecution For a known lie or mistruth? The very existence of the church is the greatest physical proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The church, his church, nothing will stop its growth and nothing will stop that glorious day, that one glorious day when Jesus Christ comes again to collect his followers, his bride, the church. For our study next time, it will be how the church needed to be organized in order to facilitate this growth. And that means going back to chapter 6. Thank you.